We are on the cusp of a major social change. Do you feel it? Even if you don't, make no mistake, change is coming, and it is going to be unforgettable. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Hart, and here on Prime Spark, where we work with and on behalf of women over 55, I want to help you find that spark that will ignite your way forward, reflect your gifts to the world, and illuminate your path through this next stage of life. Through these podcast conversations, I hope to inspire you to see how you can make a significant contribution to some of the gnarly problems that are facing us right now. Join me, and together, let's discover our prime spark. Hi, I'm Sarah Hart, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close with a goal to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which only means we all need to be involved and we need to get going now. And today I have the pleasure of talking with Vicki Diarman, a woman whose work I greatly admire. Vicki Diarman has been in the book publishing industry since she was 25 years old. She's been a publisher, a bookseller, marketing and events director, an industry consultant, and a writer. Now at age 63, she's launched a new book publishing company, Sibylline Press, dedicated to publishing the brilliant fiction and memoirs of women authors over 50. She got her start as the founder and publisher of San Francisco's Foghorn Press. She was marketing and events director of Copperfield's Books and later a consultant to California's Independent Bookstore Association. She believes women find their strength through collaboration. Diarman is an entrepreneur starting six companies over her lifetime and was once named among the 40 under 40 to watch by Entrepreneur Magazine. Welcome, Vicki. I'm so happy you're here with us. I'm thrilled to be here among my people, my women over 50 or 55, yeah. as you may be. <laughs> yeah. Great. So just to get started, let me ask you. Do you experience getting older? And if you if you do, what is that experience? Well, it would be hard not to experience getting older at my age. Yes. I mean, every day there's uh, physical proof. Um, so I find um, it's an interesting thing. I'm, I, I think I'm probably overly concerned with it. And I'm not sure, judging from all my friends, I can see that they're overly concerned with it too, their own aging because once you were this beautiful young thing and you still sort of see your out those beautiful young eyes but that's not what comes back to you get a lot of mams and you know looking past you <laughs> things like this and it's it's sort of startling i mean i i think i'm sort of past the shock but i um every now and then it's sort of like you have to purposely take the room or you know kind of assert yourself into a situation where normally you know, you would just be part of it. So I, I think um, I'm dealing with it in two respects. 
thanks for asking this, Sarah, because it's it is a concern of mine. Uh, physically, you know that you know physically my neck is doing whatever my neck is doing, and that's kind of disturbing. And then also, you know, kind of um, how I am in in the world, you know, and how people see me, and whether they're seeing past me or if they're seeing. Uh, they're seeing what I'm bringing to the table. So I've never had that trouble before because I've always headed up organizations and companies and so on. So all I can attribute it to is my age. So, you know, these are things I contend with daily, but um, I try not to make them something I, you know, that puts me down any sort of rabbit hole. I just try to stay as positive as possible. I feel like my overriding principle is optimism. And so I sort of just move in that river so that I don't have to, you know, um, wallow too much. Yeah. I also have younger daughters. I have daughters, you know, who are young and beautiful still. So it, it, it always, I have that little amusing, there's a little vengeful side. I'll just tell you what it is, which is where, <laughs> where I look at beautiful young women. I go, someday you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. I'm yesterday. Somebody, I went to a, a friend's 90th birthday party yesterday oh. and um, she and I have talked about, and so people, all the women there were talking about, oh, getting older and so forth. But, she, but my friend and I have talked about this because she knows what I do. Um, and um, as I was getting ready to leave, she said, Sarah, there's, as you say, there's two alternatives, right? You either get older and have a birthday or you die. And I said, that's it. That's it. Those are our two alternatives. So, you know, choose which, you know, whatever you'd like. But I prefer to get older myself. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised about how much I'm enjoying it because it's such a, um, you know, we just know so much now, don't we? I mean, it's like, you know, you don't even know how wise you are until you're around other people who just, you know, they're living something the first time and you've lived it like six times or, you know, anything like that. Any encounter with people where you can sort of have this sort of resonance about, oh, well, that'll pass. And this, you know, all the good advice that we can give younger people or people who need, you know, instruction if they want it. We're here, but not that they necessarily ask, but it does feel kind of in a good, a really, um, sort of ascended place to be somebody who has lived a little bit and knows, you know, things. You know, I absolutely agree with that, Vicki. I mean, every once in a while when, when uh, again, people I know um, complain about birthdays or whatever, I think, you know, I mean, I I'm, I have aches and pains too. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm very aware of getting older, but would I want to go back to being 30? No way. <laughs> you know, no way. Would I want to, would I want to be 25, 40, whatever again? No, I wouldn't. I mean, it's it's everything I learned from then until now. I want to be where I am now. I want to be who I am now. Um it's hard for younger people to conceive that I saw a meme the other day that was hilarious. It said if you could, you know, return to I can't remember age eight, 10 and start all over with what you know now, would you do that or would at the age you are now would you take a million dollars? I'm like, "Well, let's see. I have a new company to fund. I'm know everything. I I'll take the million. Thank you very much." <laughs> I wouldn't want to be 10 years old again. Oh, oh my God. I'm thinking about that minefield. I'm going, no, no, no. no I don't no. think so. No, no. Yeah. I'll, uh, 
I will easily take the million dollars. Thank you. No, but I, I'm sure that somebody thought that was a equal choice. And I, yeah. I couldn't even conceive that it would be, but okay. Okay. So how did you start Sibylline Press? I mean, how many pivots in your life have you made now? Oh, well, pivot, pivot, pivot. Um, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So, you know, it's like my greatest attribute and probably my worst thing, if you ask my husband, is just that my uh, inclination to start something new and to build it, um, you know, and then I get very immersed in that process. I love that process and I've done it time and time again. I don't know if they're pivots necessarily. It feels like um, the road was wide and then it and sort of I took a bunch of roads, but all the roads led here. That's how it feels. I was one day talking to my girlfriend and somebody who I worked with for years and years, Julia Park Tracy over the phone. And she was bemoaning, you know, that her novel, she'd been um, ghosted by an agent. It was during COVID. And, you know, she has this beautiful book and how hard it is for women our age to get published. And I, having lived through a lot of, you know, when I was a bookseller, the publishers would bring in their, you know, 20 something young woman who was had written her first debut novel. And obviously they were banking on her because she was going to write, you know, 10 more and she'd be in their, you know, corral and uh, be a big producer for them. But, um, you know, I did see some older women, but not nearly as many. And so, you know, we both decided in that moment that something needed to be done. And so, of course, my solution is always, oh, I know, we'll start a company. <laughs> because, you know, that solves everything. <laughs> So, um, you know, if my husband laughs at me all the time because of that, he goes, yeah, what company can you start to solve that problem? I'm like, oh, well, I think I could do this. So um, anyway, but what I'm excited about is that having decided that we're going to start this company at the ages we're at, um, it was like, oh, of course, this is this is sort of like um it's that pivotal moment for me where everything led to this moment. Like I did, I was a bookseller. Oh yeah. So I know how to do that. Oh, I've been a publisher. I know how to do that. I've been a writer. I know how to do that. And, you know, I've been a consultant. I know how to do that. So, and I've been a marketer for, you know, I'm always a marketer, but um, anyway, all the roads led here. And then the other thing that had was exciting for me was that we didn't have to do this company the way I'd done any other company in the past. We could do it as a collective. So it wasn't just me marching out, you know, like the bold leader. I pulled in three women from publishing who I know so well. I've worked with them for 12 years, one, one for 30 and one for 40 years. And um, we just know each other very well. So Im implicit trust, you know, I love these women. I mean, actually, we hang up business calls from each other with love you. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. But we are doing that. <laughs> and so I basically pulled in, you know, three friends and we're running this company together. But they all have incredible book publishing experience. One is a rights uh, specialist has been doing rights, you know, for television and, you know, foreign rights for I don't know how many years, 30 years. The other one is a fabulous designer. And the other one is a incredible editor and writer. So, you know, and then they gave me the title of publisher so I could be the orchestra leader. I guess um, that's my natural impulse. And so we were off and running. And then we thought, I'm sorry, I should pause a moment. My big story. <laughs> but um, 
what I wanted to say was the authors were part of that collective. And that was a new little wrinkle, too. So I can tell you about that, too, if you'd like. I would love to know about that because I believe that um, as women, we do best working together. I agree. That's, that's how I think we do best. And when we try to go it alone and do it all, uh, it just doesn't work out as well. I think that we like to be in company. I think we like to work together. If we're working with people we like to work with, we like to work together. And so I would love to know about the authors being part of the collective. That's fascinating. It is. It's kind of a model that kind of threw us off at the beginning because we were a traditional publisher. But anytime you're a collective with your authors, people want to throw you into, you know, oh, you're a hybrid publisher. You're this kind of publisher. And it's like uh, we weren't, um, but they just couldn't really understand it. So what we did is we kind of created initially a scenario where our authors coming in um, would be participating. Um, in their book covers, um, in their marketing choices and all that kind of thing. So we set up like a, what here, here's what it was really, Sarah, was that a lot of women who are fabulous writers don't know anything about the book publishing business. And even sometimes people in the book publishing business don't know about the book publishing business. It's a complicated business. It's hard to understand. And so sometimes I hold my breath when I hear my friends or people, oh, I'm going to self-publish. Okay, they can. You can absolutely produce a product, a book. The difficulty comes in selling that book because the publishing um, universe is one of, you know, long-range planning, working ahead, you know, a season to two to three seasons ahead. Um, it's about getting reviews eight months, six months, four months before the book is even out. It's about um, marketing the book and uh, it's about your distributor selling the book before the book even exists. It's about creating like all of our book covers are created right now. And we're actually almost done with the layouts on most of our books, but our first book doesn't come out till August. Right. So, you know, knowing all how the book publishing industry works, how sales are done, all that kind of stuff that comes natural to us because we've been uh, our, our team is because we've been in the business for a long while is totally unknown to the to most authors. And so, you know, there's a lot of them will forge ahead and try to get with a large publisher, which is fine if they can get with a large publisher. And if they can't, then they'll self-publish or move to a hybrid model. And in doing so, they forfeit a lot of, you know, they either have to, if they're self-publishing, they're going to have to learn how to publish pretty darn quick. They're going to, they're going to, they have to learn the whole industry. And I can tell you, they're not going to learn that whole industry of 35 years or whatever it's been for me. How many years is that? 40 years. Oops. Uh, 40 years. <laughs> Uh, in, you know, two minutes uh, or two minutes or two months of studying. So basically, when we brought the authors in, it was with the idea that we were going to also educate them about book publishing so they could be, you know, worthy partners and know, you know, know what to expect, you know, because a lot of times um, authors don't know what to expect. They don't know how their books are going to be sold or where they're going to be sold. And there's a lot of mysteries to solve. So we were going to um, involve them all that in all that. And we have. And so our first six, you know, we meet with them regularly. We talk to them via Zoom. We had a just a recent call about writing essays and that kind of thing to create um, attention for the book when it comes out. 
we had we had individual meetings about covers and things like that. So the authors are super involved and we love that. When we first started out too, we actually even asked the authors for um some marketing co-op to help promote their book so that we could promote it full scale. And uh, that was totally misunderstood and continues to be really. But what it is, is an investment in the actual marketing of the book. And then we uh, repay it. It's sort of a loan the author makes to their book. And then we repay it as soon as their royalty comes in. So there was a little bit of, you know, explaining we had to do about that. But that model came to me like a vision, honestly. It was like, why can't we have as women of our age with more resources than we've had in all of our past, why can't we support our books to be successful? Why do we have to like go for, go to a major publisher and hire a publicist for $15,000 who we're not sure is going to do everything we need it to do, or the, uh, the main publisher isn't going to, you know, promote the way we want to promote when we could have a hands-on and uh, very almost tactile uh, experience of publishing one's own book, equivalent to what you might do if you self-published, except, you know, with the experienced team also augmenting those decisions, and then set out to sell a lot of books. And so we aren't a small press with no budget. We're a small press with our budget, and then a little bit from the author to promote the heck out of that book so that we can elevate it to best seller status. So it's a whole strategy. And women who couldn't get their heads around it, it was fine. But the women who could, um, it really reduced our submissions list. But the women who submitted with excellent manuscripts and a willingness are like really smart women who understand the the uh, power of collaboration, and they were willing to go forward with us. And it's it's astonishing what we're accomplishing. But it's also astonishing how great those women are and how fast they're picking it up. Oh, here's what we're doing. Here's you know. Here's how it works. And uh, so anyway, I'm it's I, I feel myself uh, sometimes having to defend that model. And I don't really want to because I want women to understand that, you know, sometimes when you turn your book over to a publisher, you're you're kind of just in a very passive role. You just turn it over and you hope for the best. This is not that press. This is somebody where this is a press where you kind of roll up your sleeves with us and get in there. We're doing all the directing and all the work, but we're also including your, you know, your preferences. What do you want on the cover of that book? You know, all those kinds of things. So um, it's a very different experience for our authors, but they seem to be very happy at this point. So this is going to sound trite, I think, Vicki, but it, what, what, as you're speaking, what I think about is you're not giving those women fish. You're teaching them how to fish. I I agree completely. It's like, you know, I said at the end of, you know, this first publishing cycle, it's going to be like you have a PhD in publishing. You're going to understand the business. And if your book is successful, that's great. You can take your next book elsewhere if you want, but you'll understand a little bit better how to do it. You know, um, but, you know, we're hoping to have authors for life because that's how publishing works is that we want to keep our authors and we want to have their next book and their next book. But even if even if they walked, they would have so much more experience and understanding of the industry. I think that's brilliant. I um I've published two books and I did a, a hybrid. And so I am used to being involved because, you know, I worked with the cover designer. I mean, the 
the woman who was publishing it had the designer, but I worked with the designer and said, yes or no, yes or no, yes or no. Um, and when I talk to people about whether or not they want to, people want to self-publish, I said, you can do that. I will tell you that when I went to bookstores to do book readings, the first question they asked me was, who is your distributor and who is your publisher? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They they are. I've been in. You know, I was a bookseller as a marketing and events director at Copperfields for eight years, and you know, it's rough for self published authors. I mean, you you know, sort of plead to get your book on the shelf. They pay you on consignment. It's not worth any money talking about, and if the book goes away, no one notices. Yeah. You know, it's 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 fairly tragic. Yeah. Um, honestly. And, you know, I think hybrid could be a mixed experience. There are some good hybrid publishers, I'm certain. But the what we want to get away from is, oh, you know, here, pay us for this part. Now pay us for this part. Oh, and now we got to do a little bit of more marketing, you know, pay us for this part. So the difference we thought between ourselves and hybrid was that hybrid makes their money actually off their clients. Whereas publisher, a uh, traditional publisher makes its money off of selling the books, which is a much more, you know, that that's kind of pr the preferred focus. And, you know, that said, I know people have had good experiences with hybrid, but I, uh, a lot of them have had, we've gotten a lot of uh, refugees from hybrid publishers, let me just say that, who were not happy with the experience and that sort of, um, you know, sort of like my pay, my checkbook always has to be open for the next big thing, or I didn't know about this, or I didn't know about that. And then also that sort of commitment to sales. You know, it's like anyone who knows me knows I have a strong commitment to sales. Like I'm, I am after the sales for the book. And, you know, as it's not really, that's why we're all in business is to, to make money and on the book sales. But, you know, that's why ultimately you're an author is not to just have a pretty book sitting on your desk. It's to have people read it. And so, um, you know, that's, I feel like that's my job is to make that happen. Do you feel that, um, being an older woman in your profession is having an impact now? Or has it ever, um, as you've gotten older, do you see it? Do you see the impact of ageism any more pronounced in the publishing business as any other business, or more or less or the same? Or how do you see it? What is your experience? Well, I have to say, um, the world of publishing is full of old ladies like me. <laughs> If I can say it like that, uh, there's, I mean, booksellers, a lot of older women, uh, readers, the majority of readers are older women, uh, in publishing, you'll see lots of, you know, you'll see younger women too, but older women. I mean, there's a lot of women in book publishing and, um, and, you know, when I was at the recent trade show, I was a couple of, uh, women came over to me who were publishers of, you know, fairly renowned houses and, you know, we just had a, the best kind of talk. I don't think there's a lot of us running our publishing houses, you know, at the top spot, but um, there's enough that, you know, there's, it, but there was definitely a, a sort of a synergy between us and a, like, how difficult is it? And, you know, where can you get funding and how do you, you know, work this way and how do you, you know, how do you navigate the business? So um, 
I have to say, though, you know, with my distributor, Publishers Group West, which one is one of the biggest, is the biggest distributor of independent presses in the country, they were happy to have me back. I had them for my pers- first publishing company. So because of what I had done in my first publishing company, they sort of ushered me in very, you know, dramatically and like, yes, we want anything you're doing. And I was surprised. I was surprised because I don't know. I didn't think, I don't know what I thought, but I just didn't um, realize, I guess, the impact we had with that first publishing company and the, and the kind of milestones we had done. And so when I had my first publishing company, we were in the top 10 publishers for our distributor and they, you know, they represent a hundred or more uh, publishers. And I, I fully believe that Sibylline will be in that category within, you know, a couple of years, just because of how I'm, um, and my team, all of us are working together to kind of build our list and, um, what we're doing. So I guess I do notice it, but I also, you know, see a lot of kindred spirits across the board of, of women in, in all those places in the, in the bookstore, in the other publishing house, you know, in the, in my writers, in my readers. So it's kind of exciting because it's kind of like a, it's like a secret club that we're all in and we're just kind of winking at each other. <laughs> and, and fun being in, in, in events where you see each other. I mean, exactly. that must be fun. You know, after uh, you must know a lot of people after the years you've been doing this. It is. It's surprising. I was surprised about how many people I knew when I went back to the trade show, the recent Winter Institute, because, you know, you just, you know, a lifetime in publishing, you do know people. So yeah. it, it was kind of thrilling. Yeah. So of all the all the authors in one way or another over the years you've worked with, are women stories, women over 50, are there, are there stories, what they write about, how they write? Is it different? than younger women in any ways that you've noticed? I think what I've noticed, especially with the authors that I have, so I'm, I've got six authors for fall and we are already lining up our authors for next spring. So, you know, I'm, I'm talking about 10 authors in this group that I'm, that I'm talking about. Their stories are very, um, they're confident. The best ones are super confident, I think. Um, you know, Lessons in Chemistry, the recent book, it's a bestseller it, it, lately. And um, it was written by a woman, I think she's 67 now or something. But, you know, I wish I had that book, but we hadn't started the publishing company yet. But anyway, that's the kind of book that we're looking for, you know, something. And, and the, the recently I've read two that were just masterful. They were so funny, Sarah so funny. It's like with the funniness that you can only have from years of experience, right? So they were funny, um, they were engaging, and they were confident. Now that said, you know, kind of a different side of, you know, what women our age tend to write is what I call and what I tend to write sometimes is the victim story, you know? Okay. So, you know, when you go down the victim story, it's a little bit um, challenging to publish because it's hard to read. And unless you've created some humor around it, or unless you've created kind of a a way of storytelling um, that your voice is so different and unusual, um, most of those tend to sound all the same, whether, you know, 
these horrible things happen to us as women, but it's not really the story that I would encourage writers to think about that. It's not necessarily the story that's keeping us turning the pages. It's the way the story is told. And so, you know, really to use your wisdom and your wit and whatever um, you can pull into that story, because just the story of how I had cancer and survived it or how I, you know, found God and went beyond or, you know, how my husband died of this or how I lost my child. Those are all stories. But if you don't elevate them in your storytelling, they're victim stories. And um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I, I just came to that realization because of the amount of manuscripts I've read. And so um, it's a challenge for us as writers, as women, because I had a story, I had a novel all ready to go um, last fall, I thought. But as I was reading and reading and reading, I was thinking, oh, mine is one of those victim stories. It has to be more than that. And I said, and the whole story point was the woman rising above victimhood. <laughs> So if you can't do that in your story, you know, then you don't have the you don't have the full capacity of yourself as a writer and you're not going to engage readers as much as you think. So it, it's kind of it was revelatory to me, and for, not only for what we were publishing, but also for what I was writing. I think that it um, that uh, by this point in our lives, most of us have been through some thing or things that are very difficult. Yes. And so to talk about whatever that thing or those things, I'll say thing, it's easier to talk about. Whatever that thing was, just to talk about it gets boring. I think so. It just it just gets boring because we, we yeah, well, that's really too bad. You know, I did. I also, bu, 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 and my good friends also, bu, 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 and my other good friend by this time, bu, bu, bu. and so it's it's also not just. I, I don't know, Vicky. You know so much more about this than I do. But as you're saying that, I'm thinking about a recent situation I was in, and I realized this is awful. But the women are talking about awful things that happened to them, and I'm getting bored. And uh, what a horrible person I am for getting bored listening to these women talk about these horrible things. But it does, it's not even rising above because Mm-mm. what did, I don't know, what did you do with it? Or what, Absolutely. how can you tell that in a way that is more than just these awful things happened? And then I was able to da 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 da. Absolutely. Sometimes we get, um, you know, for instance, years ago, I had ovarian cancer. The moment I was out of the hospital, I said to everyone, I am not a cancer survivor. I am not somebody who had ovarian cancer. I do not want that label for the rest of my life. I don't want it in my consciousness. And so how we... um, that that sort of thing where we become the thing that we suffered through and then we get stuck there, right? So on a personal level, that's what happens. In storytelling, that also happens, that I'm this person. So then your character can't really evolve out of it. Surviving it, surviving the cancer isn't the thing. It's what you did next. My, my husband has a really funny saying, and it's probably because he was also in a household of women. I have one son, but daughters mostly. And uh, he said, she with the biggest problems wins. 
she with the biggest problem wins. And so it's that sort of thing where you hear yourself and sitting with your friends and someone says this and then you go, oh my God, and I, you know, and then we're all jumping in and we're all like, oh, I've suffered all so much. It's like, you know, the best of us, you know, after a while we evolve out of that. I mean, because you can be quiet and let someone have their, you know, their moment and work through things and everybody doesn't have to have the stage and all that kind of thing. But, but um, it's kind of the evolution of women really. Um, And like you say, being a collective, you know, we don't want to keep ourselves in those. um, We want to recognize those stories, but we also want to show how you can overcome those stories. We want to, you know, we want to show, you know, how women can, can be all these things and how we can be complicated you know, we're not just those things. And so um, that's what I'm looking for sometimes in stories. And when I find one, I'm just like, so happy. (laughs) So happy to read it. I mean, I'll be up all night reading it and thinking this is just fabulous. Oh, that's so. So um, in addition to Sibylline Press, and I can hear how exciting that is, and I'm excited listening to it. um, What else are you doing now that is meaningful to you? What else is going on in your life? Well, I guess I'm proving the theory that you can be a, an entrepreneur and a publisher and a grandmother. <laughs> uh, you know, I love that when women reveal that they're a grandmother and they're like running this company or they're doing that. And I think, oh, and they're a grandmother. Uh, there's a, I think there's a, a deep well of uh, heart about being a grandmother that is just immediately understood across grandmothers, <laughs> which is, you know, just the um, passionate love you have for your grandchildren. So I would say I have that. Um, I still, you know, I'm a strong believer in family. Uh, my husband does a lot of men's work. So I like to support his efforts in that however I can by, you know, um, just, you know, being a cheerleader, I guess, and also, you know, helping out where I can. Um, I'm in contact with a lot of women friends. You know, I have a book club meeting today, which is separate from anything else where we just read books and chat. We're all women writers in a book club. So, you know, um, I probably should have a bigger focus on health, but, um, you know, I only come to the surface and realize that periodically. <laughs> but I love to walk. I love my dog. Um, so, you know, I think there's lots of little pieces of it that kind of make it a full picture rather than me, you know, different than what it was, you know, when I was 25 and, you know, working 100 hour work weeks and couldn't look up, you know. Oh, Vicki, this has been so much fun. If people would like to get in touch with you, how can they do that? What's the best way to do that? Well, I'll give you, Sibylline is like one of the hardest things to spell, even for me occasionally. So it's uh, SibyllinePress.com. And it's uh, Sibylline comes from um, this ancient Sibyls, the the ancient older women who uh, cried out truce and, um, you know, gave wisdom that were later uh, committed to these scrolls that the Romans used when they led their um, country. So they'd refer to them. So we're all Sibyls. So Sibyl, S-I-B-Y-L, and then the L-I-N-E, Sibylline Press.com is where you can 
uh, get to uh, find everything about us, especially authors. If you have something good for us, boy, would you send it to us so we can look at it? We'd love that. And if you want to reach me, I'm just Vicki, V-I-C-K-I at SibylinePress.com. And pronounce your name for everybody. Vicki D. Arman. Right. Sibylline Press. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, Thanks. this is so much fun. Thank you. That's our time today. Please join us again. You can find our Prime Spark podcast on every popular outlet. Find out more about Prime Spark at www.primesparkwomen.com. Thank you so much to my guest, Vicki DeArmond. And don't forget, you can find her, her at her press, which is www.sibylline, S-I-B-Y-L-L-I-N-E, press.com. So thank you for being with us. Take care, spread tolerance and love. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to stay updated, you can head over to my website, primesparkwomen.com and get my free spark guide, seven questions to ignite your spark to help you discover your own spark. See you in the next episode.